It's another week of Hockey Talk here in our Hanover Studios, 91.3 FM, Blue Water Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Drury. We're also on Eastling TV. Thanks for tuning in again. In the studio with Scott Bridge and Mr. Andy Clark. Guys, we've got another excellent guest lined up this week. We're talking with Hockey Night in Canada late night host. It's David Amber. David, how are you? Hey, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Very well, thank you. We really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule, watching lots of hockey, of course, to uh, come on the show and have a chat with us. Uh, David, talk to us a little bit about what it's like being that late-night host now. I mean, you guys, your crew follows Ron on Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, it's a Canadian institution. I mean, what's that like for you to be, you know, kind of a figurehead now on Hockey Night in Canada? Uh, it, well, it's phenomenal, but before we get into that, I want some transparency. Are you guys Queens guys? Because I, I was connected through my brother-in-law who went to Queens. Are you guys Queens yeah, guys? D- Dom Thompson, yeah. Uh, Andy Clark here. I'm a Queens grad, yeah. All right. Well, I'm a McGill guy. I'm still going to stay on the I'm stay on this interview, but I'm a McGill guy. I'm going to make that clear. Okay? Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't we'll, want any we'll, friction here. We'll make this work. We'll make this work. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to get that out in the open, but um, to get back to what we were talking about, you know what, it's been great, and, and it is an institution, like you said, and Hockey Night's a lot of fun, and what I love about it is people are really passionate about it, they care so much, it's something we all grew up with in Canada, it was appointment viewing, Saturday night, you knew what you were doing, um, whatever team you were cheering for, it was the place to be, and um, it, it's still really an important part of the, the social fabric of the country, so you know, to have a role in it and to be able to, to sort of be there on Saturdays on the inside uh, of the program is a lot of fun, and, and it's it's kind of surreal in a lot of ways, but uh, so far, so good. Now, uh, David, last night you worked with uh, Nick Kiprios and Colby Armstrong, and uh, so what is it like dealing with those guys uh, behind the scenes? We see, you know, uh, what you guys talk about on air, but what's it like uh, working with those guys while the game's going on? Uh, what do they have uh, to say kind of off camera? Well, I mean, what I can share with you is, uh, I mean, first of all, I'll say the, the cool thing about watching the games, whether it's with Colby or Nick, or, or whether it's with a guy like Doug McLean, who, who was a man, you know, a coach and a, a general manager in the league, is they're so insightful. They really watch the game with a different eye. Um, you learn a lot because, you know, we all think we're watching the game and have these great insights. And then you sit there with guys who played the game and they see little things you don't notice, whether it's movement without the puck whether it's the things, you know, uh, different um, systems that are being played, thought processes that are going through the players' minds, the coaches' minds, the GM's mind. They're on top of things, and it it is fascinating because you sit there and we're there, and, you know, Kelly Rudy has all these incredible insights, and we try and share those with the viewers. I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to do is create, much like your radio show, guys, where it's, you know, you you sit back and you want, it's kind of you get out a beer basically and you're you're chatting about the game we love um, amongst friends. And that's how what we're trying to really translate to our viewers. Uh, Educate them when we can. Certainly my job as the host is to put those guys into a good position to share their knowledge of the game, but also have some fun. I mean, this is an escape. People are out there on a Saturday or whatever night they're watching hockey. Uh, It's it's not to to think about their nine-to-five job and and paying the mortgage and all that. It's to escape and have fun ultimately and, and sort of just take a break from reality. So we got to keep that in mind. So we have a lot of fun behind the scenes. There's a lot of pranks going on. Nick is a, a big prankster, and he's got me a few times as the rookie on Hockey Night. So I, I have to kind of have my head on a swivel. But um, really, I'm sitting back. I'm not talking too much. I'm listening to those guys because they have a lot to, to share, and it's really valuable. So, uh, D- David, uh, since you were bringing up the Queens McGill thing, uh, I do have to ask. Uh, when I was uh, my first couple of years there, every time we uh, had visitors from McGill. 
they always wore T-shirts with a particular slogan uh, that involved queens and sheep. And uh, I won't go any further than that because we already had enough of that from Chris Nyland last week. But uh, <laughs> did, did you happen to own one of those particular shirts? Uh, I didn't, but um, but yes, your reputation, the queens and the sheep, I, I wouldn't <laughs> let my farm animals anywhere near them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll leave it at that. But no, I didn't. I didn't go and uh, I didn't invest in one of those. But uh, but I did see it quite a few. <laughs> fun, fun. Now, my my actual question I had queued up for you was uh, quite a few of our viewers would also recognize you from uh, this summer uh, as uh, from your work at the Rio Olympics. Uh, doing a lot of the poolside interviews and, and such work. So uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in Rio. Rio was fantastic. It's funny. It, the Olympics ended uh, end of August, so September, October. So it's literally, it's not even been three full months. It feels like a lifetime ago that the Olympics were taking place because hit the ground running when we got back here with the World Cup and now the hockey season. But it was a great experience. There was a lot of doom and gloom leading into it. And I kind of a little bit was rolling my eyes because, that's been the case. Every Olympics I've covered that's outside of North America, it's the same doom and gloom. Oh, my goodness, the venues won't be ready, and there's going to be terrorist attacks, and the whole economy is going to collapse, and there's going to be protests every day. And I'm not going to pretend there wasn't some issues regarding the Rio Olympics, but once you get there, uh, it, it's incredible. The sport takes over. I, I was lucky enough to host a show. I hosted a six-hour show from noon to 6 Eastern um, every day. And we had a ton of live sports, so we were jumping around from sport to sport to sport. And then at nighttime, I'd go out, and I was the poolside reporter. I got thrown into that very late. Um, Steve Armitage, who's sort of a legendary, iconic Canadian broadcaster and is usually the play-by-play person for pool, uh, unfortunately had a heart condition, which precluded him from going. Uh, and he only found out about a week or so before the games were to begin. So Elliot Friedman got pushed from being the pool reporter to being the play-by-play man. Uh, at the pool, and I got pushed into being the poolside reporter, and I was a little reluctant because I was hosting a six-hour show, but once I got there, I, I, it was one of the luckiest uh, you know, weeks uh, I've had in my professional career to watch Penny Alexiak do what she was doing when he pulled medals for Canada, and you know, Michael Phelps, arguably the greatest Olympian ever, to see him get back on the podium time and time and time again and add to his uh, most decorated athlete status was, was incredible. So it was, I'll look back at it fondly as a career highlight, and the fact that Canada did so well um, was really icing on the cake. It was just a lot of positivity down there in Rio. Yeah, Rio was excellent. Uh, I'm more of a Winter Olympics guy myself, but you guys had me hooked in on the Summer Olympics. I mean, I think it's the first time I've ever really paid super close attention. And like you mentioned, David, I mean, Penny Lexiak, she was the story of the Olympics up here. Uh, I got to ask you before we transition back into hockey questions, did you get to watch Usain Bolt? I did. You know what? I barely got to any venues because my schedule was, was as it was. Um, right. But thankfully, in the second week, because I wasn't doing the, the pool side, the pool was the first week. The way the Olympics works is the pool goes the first week because uh, they consider that a marquee event in prime time. And track and field goes the second week. So I was fortunate enough the second week when I'd done my show to run out and go see some events. And I made a point of going to the 200-meter final, uh, you know, which was incredible. Uh, Usain Bolt, you know, winning another gold and, and really declaring himself, you know, arguably, you know, right there with Phelps as the greatest Olympian ever. And we had really excellent seats. Uh, the media pit was fortunately right on uh, the finish line. So I was about five rows up right at the finish line and got to watch it go down the wire uh, between DeGrasse and Bolt. It, it was sensational. 
Yeah, DeGrasse, he had a great showing. And yeah, that's crazy that you got to see Usain Bolt. I mean, that's the last time we'll ever see him at the Olympics. Uh, a pretty cool venue to be at. Speaking of cool venues, David, as we move back into the hockey world, you got to be part of the opening of a really great new venue in Edmonton. You were there and got to interview all the alumni. It's the last time. Well, he says it's the last time that we'll ever see Wayne Gretzky on skates, Mark Messier. I mean, what was it like being there for the opening of Rogers Place and hanging out with all these alumni that helped make Edmonton such a great place? You know, the city of champions. What was it like in the building that night, David? Uh, it was really, it was a really cool moment. Really fortunate to be part of that. And I will tell you that Rogers Place, the arena is is the nicest facility I've been in. Um, it is state of the art. It is set up so nicely. Uh, it's laid out so well for a great fan uh, perspective and experience, um, whether it's the acoustics or the seating, um, the amenities that are there, the sight lines, the scoreboard. It's all really done top-notch. It's going to really um, help boost uh, you know, Edmonton's downtown core, which really needed, you know, it needed, it needed some work because it had kind of gotten a little depressed there in, in the last few years. And certainly this is going to be something that will stimulate the economy and, and get things going. And it was great. And, and to be able to bring in Messier and Gretzky and, and Coffey and Glenn Anderson onto the set and chat with them between periods and before the game was really cool. Like, you know, Kevin Lowe and all the guys, as you said, that sort of, you know, made the foundation of what the Oilers and that dynasty in, in the 80s was. So um, it was it was a special night. And, you know, now they're kind of looking ahead and hoping they can build their own next dynasty around uh, around 97. And, and right now they're trying to hit a, a sour patch in Edmonton. But we know McDavid is the real thing. You know, as Wayne Gretzky says, he's, he's the best 19-year-old he has ever seen. And really he's the best 19-year-old any of us have probably ever seen. Um, you know, what he can do on the ice is incredible. And, and now he's just going to have to find a way to fight through, you know, the fact that teams are really game planning around him. And, and it's making life difficult for him right now. But you know Edmonton fans are thinking, okay, we've got the next sort of uh, dynasty ready to happen surrounding 97. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, McDavid, incredible. He's the best junior player I ever watched for sure. I mean, he's he's odd in that he seems to have a sixth, seventh, eighth gear where most guys only have four or five. Scott? Yeah, Connor McDavid watched him play for Erie Plenty, and he just looked like a men be uh, above boys there when he played. It was remarkable to watch. And that transition to the NHL level has really hasn't changed much at all. Like He's playing with better players, obviously. Uh, playing with them and against them but still he does have that same gear and and he just seems to be so fast so skillful out there um david i uh, just wanted to touch on ron mclean i mean obviously you've had the chance now to work with him fairly closely what have you learned from ron uh in the time that uh, you've had to work with him now this year well ron is a unique talent and i've worked with a lot of really talented people but um Two things that Ron has that just set him aside from, from almost any broadcaster. He has incredible recall. He's very well read. He um, consumes a lot of information. He can remember things so acutely. It's unbelievable. Um, that's the first thing. But on a more important level, I think what makes Ron, you know, arguably the best broadcaster I've ever worked with is his ability to connect with the viewer. Um, it's, he's not putting on some show and, and not being genuine. He genuinely has such a great passion for the game. He genuinely loves the game, loves the people around the game, the hockey community. And you see that in, in his broadcast. It's, it's with a lot of that he's presenting um, the game. And, you know, I've learned just to have a, you know, really attack this from a real genuine place and not try and 
emulate anyone else, not try and, and come at it, you know, trying to do this or do that, but just to be who I am as a broadcaster. And, I, I you know, I, I'm all about, you know, having a good time and trying to bring some value added. And I think that's something that Ron has really, you know, helped focus me on, watching him do his craft and talking to him. And, and he's been nothing but a great mentor to me. Uh, I've known Ron for a number of years, and it is kind of fun to have him now handing the, the baton over to me for the late-night game. Um, but, I, you know, nothing for admiration for him, and he really is sort of a consummate professional in our business. Um, in, you did an interview recently uh, in The Walrus, and uh, you, you make a comment there that one of your prized possessions is that uh, from your childhood you still have uh, three Gretzky rookie cards? I do. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm of a similar age to you, and uh, I, I still have one myself that, uh, you know. I... You guys didn't put them in your bike spokes. That was yeah, smart. Yeah, Orst Kinderchuk went into the bike spokes, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the Gretzky I, I hung on to, and I still have that one tucked away. So oh, now you mentioned you, know you have three of them. I ruined I ruined one of mine, though. I rode on it. Uh, oh, no. oh, you rode on it. <laughs> I, they're not worth much, and I'm so dumb. I could have paid for my children's college had I kind of just right away took them out and put them into uh, Saran Wrap or whatever, you know, into the little uh, binders there. But when we were kids, you didn't you didn't have that business sense to do that. At least I didn't. Well, it, it, there was only the one uh, brand, right? There was Topps or Opeachy and uh, yeah. 25 cents uh, around there. So I was going to say, like, with you having three of them, did you actually uh, – pull those all out of the packs yourself or did you make some uh, lunchroom trades with some uh <laughs> some less knowing <laughs> young saps eh? uh, you know what there's all me i didn't make a lot of lunchroom trades i don't think a lot of kids in my class as i'm thinking back to it was probably about grade two or three uh were that into hockey i was really into hockey and i spent most of my time watching hockey and you know reading about hockey and spent all my allowance on hockey cards and i remember and at the time, I didn't even know what I'd stumbled upon. I mean, you heard about Gretzky, but it was so different. Like, we've known about Connor McDavid since he was, what, 12, 13? Right. We knew about Sidney Crosby when he was a young adolescent as well. Eric Lindros, even Jason Spezza. I mean, there's a, a number of guys who come up with a lot of fanfare. I'm not saying there wasn't fanfare. There certainly was fanfare, but there wasn't the, the media scope that we have now. I mean, even in the time I've been in the business, the scope of the media has gone tenfold. I mean, I remember covering the Leafs in the 99 playoffs, and it was, you know, three, four cameras and three, four reporters and five and six print guys, and that was it. That's now like an off-day practice for the Marlies. I mean, that's what we're talking about now. So things have really changed. So I, I you know, opened up those packs, and I was like, oh, cool, Wayne Gretzky. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, now I would be like, get away. I got a Gretzky card. Stand back, you know. <laughs> a different era, and I, I wish I had that you know, sixth sense about what he was going to become because I'd be a wealthy man right now, and uh, instead I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Luckily for me, I have stashed away my Crosby and Ovechkin rookie cards. <laughs> They're in a very safe place, and hopefully someday, yeah, maybe I can pay for my future kids' tuition or something with them. Uh, David... I want to dig in, throw you in the analyst chair a little bit here. I mean, I know typically you're kind of grilling Kiprios and Armstrong and the boys to see what they think. Uh, I want to ask you a couple questions specifically regarding Canadian teams. I mean, we all know what happened last year. I mean, it was kind of a, uh, certainly a low watermark in my generation. I mean, I've never seen no Canadian teams make it. I think it was the first time in almost 45 years that it happened. I mean, the Oilers are obviously improved. The, the Jets are playing really well right now. And Montreal's obviously off to a pretty historic start as well. I mean, how many Canadian teams do you really think have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs and maybe even making some noise? 
Well, my pre, I'm, first of all, I'm horrible at this, so um, take that with a grain of salt. I predicted preseason three Canadian teams would make the playoffs, and this was more out of optimism than any great analytical approach to this. Right. I figured Montreal, Calgary, and one of Ottawa, Winnipeg, or Edmonton. So I'll stick to the number three, although I'm definitely going to shift my teams based on how the first you know, uh, 16, 17 games has gone. I mean, Montreal... Barring something catastrophic, you know, like a Carey Price injury, yeah, uh, look very good. Uh, do they? Are they thirteen two and two? Are they the best team in the league? I wouldn't argue that. I still think the Metro Division with Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Rangers. I, I, I would take any of those teams right now, maybe ahead of Montreal. But Montreal's a playoff team, uh, barring something catastrophic. I, I then think you know Ottawa has a good chance. They're playing a good defensive brand of hockey under Guy Boucher. They're having a real struggle scoring. I mean, uh, last night uh, they won in a shootout thanks to some incredible goaltending from Craig Anderson. Again. Goaltending has been solid. I think Ottawa could definitely be a playoff team. And then I'm going to say one of Winnipeg and Edmonton can make it. So I'm going to stick to three. Uh, Calgary's been my biggest disappointment. I thought they were going to be the best team out of Canada this year. I love bringing in Elliott. I love the Brower signing. I like Glenn Gulliston. I thought they had all the right steps. I thought two years ago they were a a very good, interesting team. Last year they were horrible, and it was essentially because their goaltending went south. And I thought with Elliott, the goaltending was going to be back to being sharp. Hasn't been the case. So, you know, Johnny Goodrow's now out an uh, extended period of time with a broken finger. I uh, needed finger surgery today. So the prospects for Calgary, can they make the playoffs? Absolutely. They're, they've got some work to do. So um, especially in that division and in that conference. So I'm a little bit less optimistic on them. But I, I'll stick to my prediction of three Canadian teams and with the fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good call. Yeah, and Goudreau going down, that's unfortunate because they're struggling. And uh, I've heard rumors that, you know, teams are kicking the tires on Dougie Hamilton. So it'll be interesting to see where Calgary goes. Scott. Now, uh, David, do you think you did touch on Ottawa struggling to score goals right now? Do you think that uh, they could legitimately trade Andrew Hammond for a player in return that could score, even though Hammond does have uh, another year on his contract after this year? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what Andrew Hammond's going to fetch you. I mean, they're going to try and sell him as the Hamburglar who had that incredible, what, 24-3 in one run that mm-hmm. elevated Ottawa to the playoffs a couple of years ago. Yep. And, and that's great. But let's face facts, I, I don't think he's that goalie. Uh, I think he's a serviceable goalie. You know, what is he going to fetch you? He's not going to fetch you a 25-goal score. And quite honestly, I'm not even sure Ottawa needs that type of of addition. I mean, I think they have guys who are underperforming as far as statistics are concerned. Hoffman, Stone, uh, you know, Brissard. They have guys who can put the puck in the net. They've got, you know, arguably the best offensive defenseman in the league in Carlson. They certainly don't lack offensive firepower. I think maybe right now what's happening is, you know, Guy Boucher is telling the likes of Bobby Ryan and, and uh, you know, Kyle Turris and guys, I need you to play 200-foot hockey, and he's making sure everyone buys in. And that's not a bad thing because Ottawa gives up a lot of chances, a lot of shots, and they gave up way too many goals last year. And, you know, quite frankly, you can't – that's not a a winning recipe, uh, you know, long-term success, certainly in April and May. So I'm not even sure they need to go and and fetch something solid. Uh, I've heard some other rumblings that there's certainly teams kicking tires in Ottawa as well for one of their young defensemen in Cody Cece. So yeah. that's something also to keep a name, an eye on and keep uh, uh, you know, thoughts on. I don't think they would get rid of Cece. I think he's one of the foundations on the blue line there. He's, he's young and good and, and under control, and that's what you want. But, um, 
you know, I, I like that Ottawa team. I really do. And the fact that Craig Anderson, under the toughest, you know, personal circumstances, is delivering top five goalie uh, performances this year really has me believing this could be a team that, that could make a little bit of noise come April. Absolutely, yeah. Ottawa, I've I've been impressed with them. And then, you know, there are other nights like last night where they squeak out that shootout win in Philly where, they, yeah, you kind of are baffled by the fact that they, you know, can't seem to score goals consistently. But I, I do like the makeup of the Ottawa team, and I've always been a big Guy Boucher fan. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Andy? Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, one of your early stops in your career was as a general reporter in Sault Ste. Marie where you know, I'm pretty sure some people eat hockey pucks for breakfast. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about your experience uh, back in the Sioux. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was my first TV job. I graduated. I went to McGill, and then I went to Syracuse University, and um, I, did a, I got a master's in broadcast journalism and struggled for a full year, you know, handing out tapes in the States and in Canada and didn't get much traction. And finally, after 11 months, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get an audition out in Sault Ste. Marie. Went up there, was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to, to go out there, and that was my first TV job. I was so green and had to go out. You had to do everything. When you work in the small markets, it's so cushy now. Like, you have a producer, and you have a, an editor, and you have a cameraman, and you have all these people making you look and sound good. But, you know, when I was out there as a, you know, 25-year-old, uh, you had to do everything. You had to go out and shoot and edit and do everything, write everything, do everything. So it was, it was, it was a great learning experience. I made a lot of mistakes. If you were ever to try to track, don't do this, but if you were to track down the state from there, it was uh, quite bad <laughs> and laughable <laughs> at times. I mean, I had to do the weather and everything. I remember going to the mayor's office, and um, Steve Butlin was his name, and he was the mayor. And it was one of the first days I was at work, and I had to shoot him. So I put him beside a, a bright window, and I turned the camera on, and I do this whole interview, you know, 10-minute interview, pretty proud of it. You know, I asked some decent questions. Get back to the newsroom. And, of course, you can't shoot a camera into a wide-open window uh, with the sunlight coming in. He looked like a Colombian drug lord. All <laughs> Bit of narcos. And, you know, and this is like, and they're like, well, you, you interviewed the mayor. It's got to go on TV. So I'm, like, putting this on. Like, that, that was sort of how it was back then. So... Uh, it was embarrassing. You know, I learned from a lot of mistakes. And uh, I was fortunate, though, because they had a great team there. You guys were big into um, junior hockey. Well, that was Joe Thornton's year in Sault Ste. Marie when he went number one overall. Yeah. Uh, they had a very good team. He was a great kid back then, so I got to cover him. And they had a pretty good team. They lost to a Manny Malhotra in the Gulf Storm in, I believe, the second round or third round of the OHL playoffs. But um, it, they had a good team, and uh, it was exciting to be around Joe. And so now when I cross paths with him, we kind of laugh and, and – have a good chuckle about our times back in the Sioux back in 96, you know? Yeah, you said, David, in a, in a in an interview, uh, I'm not sure whether it was last year or the year before, but you said that Joe Thornton was the most humble hockey player on that team, and he played with other players that made the NHL that, uh, you know, were good, but you did say that he was the most humble one and, and the, one that, uh, the one that didn't think too highly of himself as well. Yeah, he, he was an amazing player, and he was just a down-to-earth kid, you know. He, he literally, he was a kid, it was funny, because you get him on the ice, and he had a bit of a temper, and he had all the skills in the world, and he could do what he wanted with the puck, when he wanted, how he wanted, won a gold medal at the World Juniors with Canada and everything else. And then you get him off the ice, and he's just like, oh, for sure, hey, this is fun, you know, I'm having a good time. And he was, he was just a very, you know, your ordinary Joe. He was just a nice kid. And everyone knew he was going to be a top two, top three pick. He didn't know if he was going to go first overall or not, but you knew he was going to be a high prospect. And he, he didn't let it go to his head. He was, he was always a humble guy, very nice and reserved guy. And he's carried that on into his NHL career. I mean, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. 
I, I think he's got a bit of the Ray Bork now. I think if there's a sentimental guy around the league, um, the way that we looked at Ray Bork at the end of his career, you know, Ginla might be one of those guys as well. Uh, mm-hmm. who never tasted the cup. I, I think there'd be a lot of happy people in the NHL community to see Joe Thornton finally get that chance. I don't know if it's going to happen this year with San Jose or, you know, ultimately when he becomes a UFA, if he does go somewhere else to, to seek that elusive cup. But I know that would put a lot of smiles on people's faces because he's so well-liked throughout the NHL community. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, I, I would de- definitely welcome in, him into my uh, Washington Capitals lineup. I would take <laughs> Joe Thornton for a year. Uh, David, we're just about out of time here with you. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I'll get one more quick prediction here off you. We, it's a popular thing we've done. We've asked a number of different people that we've had on the show. Uh, who do you like for the Stanley Cup? I know it's a hard thing to predict. I personally uh, picked Tampa Bay. I, I really like the team Tampa's put together. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Ben Bishop situation. But who, who in your mind right now would kind of be that, uh, that front runner for the Stanley Cup? I'll stick to my preseason prediction, and I'm not sure which of the three of you just said they were a Caps fan. Me. (laughs) Okay, well, I I picked Washington to win the Cup. I I picked Washington to win the Cup over Nashville, and I know there'll probably be some people smirking about the Nashville pick, and it's certainly not looking as sharp as it might have in the preseason. They're still good. They are still good, and the thing about the the thing about the Western Conference in the plus, you don't have to win your division. I mean, the yeah. Stars were sensational last year, 110 points or whatever it was, second best record to to Washington, and Washington had the best record. It's not about it's not about you know the road you take to get there. It's about getting there. And I look at their team still. Nashville is a team that's going to be a very tough out uh, come April. Now, provided they still got to get into a playoff spot. But um, I still like Nashville in the West. I will hold to Washington in the East. I know they're struggling right now. But I, I just like the makeup of the team. I think there could be some tinkering, um, you know, before the trade deadline to add a, an a ingredient or two to help put them over the top. I love their goaltending, love their blue line. I love their depth up front. Um, some of the guys have a much better spring performance, you know, because Netsoff has to show up this time. Yes. Um, you know, Oshie and and OV, I think, is a consistent guy. I think he takes a bit more criticism than he deserves in the playoffs. I think he works his tail off, and it can't all be put on him. But I, I like that team, and I love their coach, and uh, I'm going to stick to, to Washington right now and don't play this back in June when I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're selling me, David. I like that a lot. Uh, we're plumb out of time with you. We can't thank you enough again for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us here on Hockey Talk. We really appreciate it. You're, you're one of our favorite hosts to watch. You're one of the best in the biz, and now we can check you off as one of the nicest as well, David. Well, I really appreciate it, guys. Honestly, anytime, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, you guys have a great show, so uh, I'll come back anytime you have me. We appreciate that, David. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks. Be well, guys. Take care. Well, there's David Amber, folks, the late-night host of Hockey Night in Canada. His crew always comes on in the late game after Ron McLean has the prime time. And, I mean, David, wow, that, I mean, that was a great interview. Uh, he sells himself short a little bit there. I know, you know, he said, you know, I'm not as good an analyst as the other guys. And, you know, I, I thought that his thoughts were very sharp, and he made some great points, uh, particularly about Ottawa. I, I liked his little bit about Ottawa there. It was great. Yeah, it, and you know what? He makes some very solid points. If you watch him hosting um, on camera for an NHL game, it's just it's amazing how smooth he is oh, and how yeah. he gets his points off and, and doesn't try to overestimate things as well. I mean, he's very to the point, but uh, to the point that he can keep everything upstairs all in line. 
upstairs between the ears, I mean. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I thought you I mean, met with Kipper in them. Yeah. No. Because <laughs> that's no, amazing, too. I, 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 am, uh, I am amazed at uh, the stuff that he can rattle off with just a camera in his face uh, with his memorization and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's got a master's in university, so, Andy, I mean, we all know that you got to be pretty smart to, to get that. Yeah, it's debatable, but <laughs> <laughs> now uh, Mr. Clark's selling himself short. Yeah, yeah. When he was telling his story, there it occurred to me he went from be- back then McGill were the Redmen, and of course uh, that's been changed, right? They kind of dropped that with mm-hmm. the, the Native American. But he went from being McGill to Syracuse, so he went from being an Orangeman to a or sorry, a Redman to an Orangeman, right? So bit of a color shift, just yeah. a bit of a color color shift there. And and I should say as a shout out, um, thanks a lot to his brother-in-law uh, Dominic Thompson who I hope is listening out in uh, Colorado, who uh, he's the one who actually set this up for us. So Thank yeah. you very much, That's Doc. Awesome. We really appreciate it. He was great. We'll take our first commercial break. When we come back, our OHL Insider awaiting on the phone here. We we're going we're gonna to dig into some Remembrance Day jerseys, uh, a great tilt between London and Kitchener, and lots more here on Hockey Talk. Stay tuned. That Rush has brought a lot better goaltenders over as oh, well. Yeah. Like their goaltending has been superb. Hey, welcome back to Hockey Talk. As my mic droops away from my face here, I mean, we gotta, we gotta try and fix this arm here. I'll just hold it. I'll just hold it. We've got the OHL insider Bill Granger on. No technical difficulties with him. Bill, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks very much, guys. Excellent, Bill. Uh, I know right off the top. I mean, last week, very important day on the schedule. It's Remembrance Day, and there were some OHL teams sporting some great Remembrance Day jerseys. I, I know you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great display and, and cooperation through the, the league to each of the member teams to really encourage them to recognize uh, the veterans and uh, th- those who have sacrificed their lives uh, in our defense and, and certainly for the cause of freedom and, and what those freedoms that we enjoy today. But uh, hats off to all of the teams, and there were seven teams that I was able to get uh, through the league office, and uh, I say that because I don't want listeners to call in and say, oh, you missed this team or this team, but uh, the seven teams that were uh, provided to me all wore uh, uh, remembrance jerseys. And and a tip of the hat to the the Kitchener Rangers, too, because I think it goes back to them. They were one of the first who who started to do this uh, on an annual basis, and hats off to them and other teams who have followed suit. And let's start with Sudbury Wolves, and I know you've got picks for the East Link uh, television side of it. Sudbury Wolves have got that classic wolf in front with the dripping blood and all the rest of it. Uh, and it's one of four teams who had the the camo jerseys that which really identify with the military. Saginaw is, um, is among those as well. And uh, Niagara, I believe, had camos and Kingston as well. And, uh, you know, Kingston has a, a rich military history behind them. And they do. Hats off to all the teams and uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds had a specifically designed one, as did Kitchener as well, and, and Guelph Storm as well. And what's really important about this, in, in, spite of, in addition to recognizing uh, the contributions of our military to our freedoms and so on in battles and, and wars over the years, is the fact that the, the auctioning of these jerseys go to local community interests uh, around mili- around the the legions, the military, and supporting veterans in their programs within the respective legions. And there are thousands of dollars that are raised in each of the communities as a result of the auction of these jerseys. And it, it couldn't be possible, first of all, without the league, 
without the teams adopting these and, of course, the fans who bid on these. And it, it's the fans who I should really mention the, as the best to last because they are the ones who really contribute to the, the programs uh, by legions and, and, and so on that, that, that support the, the military, the veterans, and so on. Uh, in their respective communities. So hats off to all of those uh, with a little underscore from me from the fans. Yeah, absolutely. It was great support as it should be and as it always typically is for Remembrance Day from the Ontario Hockey League. Bill, uh, the CHL Russia series, I know you wanted to quickly touch on that as well. Uh, some notes, some things you noticed, another good showing for the CHL. Yeah, it's well. And, and I think the, the my knock on the Russians coming over in previous years has been that they didn't uh, send their best team. I think yeah. this team... Uh, that they've they've put out, or the the collection of teams that they've put out, uh, has been pretty good and and pretty highly skilled, and has tested the CHL teams in the West, coming east to uh, Central Ontario, to the Ontario League, and then on to the the queue that uh, has to remain to be seen what's what's going to come out in those two games, but uh, they've put a formidable uh, set of uh, players out there uh, to compete this year, and I, I really appreciate that because it brings a high level of competition to to the uh, the series and it, it certainly uh, tests our guys uh, whether it be in the west or the o or the q and i think we're seeing that as the when they came into hamilton on monday night uh it was it was a thorough test of, of team team ontario and uh, uh they showed up and with a young defense too pulled off a, a win because they were a, a young defensive squad uh uh, with uh, Chris Knobloch, I think, taking the lead there on the defense uh, core, did a, gr- a great job in the victory over uh, Team Russia uh, on Monday night in Hamilton. Bill, yeah, it's Bill, been the, good. The one thing that I want to point out there, one thing that's been very noticeable so far, Bill, is that Russia's brought a lot better goaltenders over as oh, well. Yeah. Like their goaltending has been superb. Oh, yeah, and, you know, that, that leads into another thing uh, in, a, in a few topic coming up but uh, yeah their goaltenders are great and and it goes right back to the the days from the 72 series with uh Tretiak and so on they they've put out great goaltending and uh from the pipes out they're very very superb in that that area and uh, they come to play and uh, i'm not sure that we've seen their best guys when it comes to as yet when it comes to uh, putting a final team together for the world juniors and and the same is true for uh, Team Canada World Juniors as well as far as that roster goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll just say, Russia, pay attention. There are some really good Russian goaltenders coming to the NHL in the next few years, uh, one of which the Capitals owns, uh, Ilya Samsonov. If you get a chance, you can stream some of the Russian games. Check it out. They have some great goalies coming up. Andy, you have some thoughts? Well, I was going to say, in the secondary thing, when they have these uh, showcases uh, in the CHL, is back, if, if you have a home team, that you follow particularly when they're, you know, the better players are off at these showcases that kind of allows, allows some players to step it up on their home ranks and uh, let fans sort of see them take on a bigger role. That's right. So that kind of adds interest too. back in the, what is it? 30 other OHL teams. Yes. Yeah, 20 30, other OHL teams, 20 yep. other OHL teams. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's been good so far. We'll see what the Q can offer up bill. I know you wanted to touch on a big tilt here, a Western conference rivalry that always gets viewers. Uh, London and Kitchener, a great tilt recently here with London edging them four to three. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a real big game. And I think a, another test for the Kitchener Rangers. And, uh, and uh, we talked about them uh, falling seven, three to Erie Otters, uh, 
uh, down in Erie a, a week or so ago, and I think this is the second test to the Rangers. They they came back and they were close to the the London Knights, uh, but Victor Mete I believe was out of the lineup. So that's that's a key component for London. But uh, London prevailed on Kitchener ice, and and to me, that's an indicator too. It goes back to our comments a couple of weeks ago about the Kitchener Rangers and whether uh, uh, Jeremy Bracco and Maskerin could uh, carry the offense on their shoulders for this team, and and uh, that may uh, prove out to be the case that they, that they cannot. Kitchener has a big decision ahead, or decisions, I should say, ahead of them as to how how they they feel they can compete against the Windsors, the the Londons, and certainly Erie Otters of the Western Conference because uh, they have to say, okay, what are we prepared to sacrifice in the form of our future uh, as far as uh, uh, current players on our roster to bring in somebody uh, that is going to help us uh, prevail over those other top three teams. And and I'm, uh, it, it's a tough, tough decision for the, the Brain Trust in Kitchener whether they want to go for it this year or wait till next year. But uh, right now, as you look down the roster, the Rangers have fallen to six. They had a three-game losing streak before breaking that off with a, a, a one-goal victory on home ice against Owen Sound. And then they face London on uh, Tuesday, and they're back into the loss column. So... It's a tough season. They're they're sitting right now, like I said, in sixth. They've got 23 points tied with the Flint Firebirds, and Sarnia is ahead of them by three. So uh, the uh, the wheat is separating from the chaff boys in uh, this Western Conference with Erie, Windsor, and London at the top of the heap, and uh, only two points behind the London Knights are the Sioux Greyhounds. And London has two games in hand over the conference-leading Erie Otters, and three do have the Windsor Spitfire. So if they prevail in those games in hand, it's going to be a real long jam at the top uh, of this conference. Bill, yeah. I, w- I was just doing some research there this afternoon, and Kitchener's got uh, quite a tough schedule coming up. Don't they play in Peterborough on Thursday? Then they've got the number one ranked team, Oshawa, at home on Friday. And then don't they play Sunday again? Like, is this a four-game week for them? I, I think, but I-, I could be wrong. It could be that they play on Monday next week, but... This back-to-back that they have Thursday, Friday is going to be really tough after that loss against uh, London. It's it tougher, Scott, is is the fact that their 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 winning uh, percentage in the last five games has not been good. Mm-hmm. They've won one out of their last five, I think, and it it is it becomes tougher. It becomes tougher on the ice, becomes tougher in the room, becomes tougher on the practice ice, and they try and and you can only see what happens as a result of the practice and uh, what you can learn from your losses as well as your wins, of course. Uh, but until they, they meet their next opponent, it, it's a tough hill for the Rangers right now in, their, in this tough Western Conference. Yeah, the Rangers are a bit Jekyll and Hyde for me. I mean, they can look like the most dominant scoring team in the Western Conference one game and then the next night get shelled 7-3 by the Erie Otters. I mean, it seems some of the the tougher competition that they have in the West, the Windsors, the Eries, and now the Londons, uh, they're they're just not able to get ahead of those teams. Uh, Andy, what were some of your thoughts coming out of that game? Because, I mean, that was a classic tilt, Rangers-Knights. Well, I was going to pick up on, uh, it just occurred to me when you were saying that the Rangers are a bit hot and cold because it seems to me this time last year. They were like that as well. They were like that, yeah. They were uh, on and off. So yep. Yeah, it's, it's been curious different. that it's back-to-back years. It's the same thing, right? Yeah, they're depth well, guys. Nights, they, they started the season. We know they've got a ton of guys, I, I forget the number right now, who are NHL drafted, and they were without uh, all of those players during the early part of the season. 
and uh, they won a game with a, a primarily a junior B roster in the in the early part of the, the schedule, but uh, they went 0 for 25 on their first uh, power plays, and now they're ranked first in power plays in the Ontario Hockey League. So it shows <laughs> wow. you how potent their offense is and how uh, they came back. Two of their four goals against the Rangers the other night were on the power play. So it shows you uh, you you cannot take penalties against them because they're they're just deadly. And 50% against the Rangers shows you how how effective their PP is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very scary, absolutely, Bill. I know another thing that you really wanted to talk about too. Another team that had a great streak uh, coming into this week, the Ottawa 67s, three straight road wins, including two in overtime. I mean, they've put together quite a little run here as well. All right. They came into Guelph on Friday night. They came away with two points on the strength of a 3-2 victory against Guelph and a a very entertaining and uh, a very close game as well. But I'll tell you, uh, Leo Lazarus stood on his head facing, I think, something like 45 shots over the course of the night. He was the first star of the night and uh, stood well and, and really was the, the difference in the between Guelph and uh, Ottawa that particular night. But it, he earned them the two points uh, on the first of three on the road. They went to Owen Sound, and uh, it was Olivia Lafreniere who uh, was in the between the pipes for uh, the 67s, coming away with a 2-1 victory in overtime, and then down on Sunday to uh, Mississauga and a 5-4 victory again in overtime. And uh, I'll tell you, they came into Guelph on Friday night in ninth, as Guelph was in the west. Ottawa was uh, ninth in the east. And they come away at the, at the end of those three victories, standing in fourth place in the east. What a jump, 22 points. They're one ahead of Peterborough, who has been playing well, as we've said in previous shows. And uh, they're a ways behind uh, the, the conference leaders, Oshawa Generals. But, but uh, it really underscores... If you put a string of victories together, how quickly you can rise in either conference. And conversely, if you go on a bit of a dive, you're, you're going to fall mightily as well. So uh, hats off to the, uh, the uh, 67s. And they're getting scores. They came into Guelph, I think, with 12 guys having scored goals. They left with 15 guys scoring goals after those three uh, road victories. So they're getting their, their act together. They're getting uh, uh, scoring from uh, committee. And uh, they're going to uh, uh, be something in the in the East Conference as well before this, it's all said and done. Yeah, I like the 67s a lot. And Lafreniere, you mentioned him. He's another guy that I saw at the Gold Cup. And that year, he won three overtime games. I believe he was playing for the GTHL Red Squad. So a bit of clutch genes in him. Uh, and I was really impressed with him. He's one of the best goalies at the tournament that year. Lots of size uh, and a great prospect that they can build off of. Scott, your thoughts on the 67s here? Yeah, I've I've always liked Leo Lazarov right from the uh, time he's been he, great. he came over from Russia. And I had the chance to broadcast a bunch of his games when he played for the uh, Waterloo Siskins. And he just seemed, he always had that flair, that, that bounce in his step. He's quirky. He's unorthodox. He just doesn't do the normal cliche things that goaltenders do in the creases. And, and, and Bill, I know you and I have had the opportunity to watch him together and, and talk about him and and uh and really analyze some of his moves in that and and i was talking to some ohl scouts after he got drafted and i was asking um one in particular the barry colts why they didn't take him they said well he's just not going to be big enough and i said you did you really watch him closely because he is going to be spectacular well we took our chances and that's more than what barry said other teams said that too Here's a case where Lazarus and and i go back to our, our previous discussion earlier in the broadcast tonight 
that uh, you talk about the goaltenders in the the World Juniors that Russia puts out. The guys who who feel they're not going to to get the the spotlight in Russia, here's a loophole that they found. We cannot, in the CHL, draft players, goalies. Let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. You cannot uh, draft goaltenders from Europe as you do players. We get two, two per team. But you, none of those can be uh, goaltenders. Lazarev came over, found a spot in, in Waterloo, as, as Scotty pointed out, and guess what? He is now not considered an import. That's right. Ottawa drafts him. He gets in front of the scouts each and every night, and guess what? He may find himself in a great position at the end of his OHL career as far as NHL uh, interests go. Yeah, I, I definitely see that, Bill. You know, the the easiest guys for me to compare guys to, which, you know, comparing players is, is pretty unfair in itself, but the, the easiest guys for me to recall are NHL players I've watched. He reminds me an awful lot, and even size-wise, of Yevgeny Nabokov, the great San Jose Sharks goaltender, who was not, I think he was just a shade over six feet, and he was a staple for the San Jose Sharks for a number of years, and, and Lazarus certainly reminds me of him a little bit. Yeah, and... and- Smaller players, uh, skaters, that is, we've seen that come to the National Hockey League and people have doubted their ability to, to hang on and, and right. hold down a job in the National Hockey League. We've seen that so many times. And now you've got a young goaltender like Lazaroff making a bit to get recognized by, by NHL scouts. Yeah, there is a place for him. And just, just going back to um, uh, the Hall of Fame inductees, Rogi Vashon, was not a big man. No. He was acrobatic, and he kept the puck out of the net, and uh, he was a smaller goalie too, and uh, certainly Lazaroff has is, is got a, an opportunity to make his mark as far as uh, NHL scouts who, who see him, like I said, each and every night. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his future holds. Bill, we're plumb out of time with you. Again, great thoughts from you. We always enjoy picking your brain about the Ontario Hockey League and even some of the Russian players too. Uh, yeah. Bill, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, always great to talk to you guys. Absolutely, Bill. You're one of our favorites, man. You're the best. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Now. Take care. Bye. There's our OHL insider, Bill Granger. Always great to talk to Bill. And, yeah, some interesting thoughts. I mean, the 67s, yeah, I mean, they jump from ninth to fourth. I mean, if you can, you know, put together little runs here and avoid those big three- or four-game losing streaks, I mean, there are a lot of points to be had right now. It's a log jam in the OHL right now, and the 67s took advantage uh, on the road, too. I mean, you yeah, got to be impressed. Thing. On the road. Incredible. You need to have that. You need to learn how to win on the road if you want to get anywhere in the playoffs. You're that darn right there, Scott. Absolutely. We'll take our final commercial break. When we come back, we'll give a special shout out to, like Bill mentioned briefly there, the recent Hockey Hall of Fame inductees. And we got some fun that we're going to do here. Uh, Andy Clark had a cool little idea involving hockey cards. We were talking about Wayne Gretzky rookies. Doubtful we'll pull one out of these packs, but we're going to have a little bit of fun. If they do dibs, (laughs) we're going to have a bit of fun with hockey cards here on Hockey Talk. Stay tuned. He should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion, but hey, that's a discussion for another day. Yes, indeed, and mixing in some hockey talk as well as we wrap up this week's show. It's week seven of season two. How did this happen? Unbelievable. Thank you for your support here on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio and for watching us on Eastlink TV. Comments are welcome at Midwest at EastlinkTV.com if you want to email in and make a comment about our show, something that you like, something you don't like. We'll take constructive criticism. Just no language. 
No bad language. We don't want it on the air, and we don't want it in our emails. And uh, Betty will have to answer him, so she doesn't want to see any of that. You don't want to you see. Can... You don't want to see Betty Maddie. Either. No, yeah, yeah I would, you don't I want Betty She's a Philly fan too. Yeah, you don't want to see a Philly fan angry. My God. All right, let's talk a little bit about the recent Hockey Hall of Fame inductee. Speaking of Philadelphia, Eric Lindros deservingly finally gets in. Uh, he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion, but hey, that's a discussion for another day. Congrats to Eric, and a really great moment when he brought Brett up on the mm-hmm. stage with him. That was that hit the feels right here. That was incredible that that they let him do that. Uh, Sergey Makarov, a fantastic Russian defenseman. He was an excellent NHL player, caused a rule change because he was – 33 when he won the Calder Trophy? 31. Was he 31? Yeah, Yeah, and they they changed the rules. So, I mean, pretty incredible, right? So, Gretzky didn't win it. No. But Makarov did. Makarov did, yeah. Yeah. How odd the world works, eh? Uh, Also, Rogie Vashon that Bill brought up. Uh, Congrats to you. A great Montreal Canadian, of course, an iconic L.A. King. And, of course, the late uh, Pat Quinn posthumously gets Mm -hmm. in. great to see his daughter there that that was the best speech of the night no doubt pat quinn was one of my favorite coaches to watch he had such a personality so uh, our congrats from hockey talk to all of the newest hockey hall of famers and I mean, next next year we're going to be looking at Timu. He's That's going to get right. in right wow. away, so it's going to be a great now, I, class I was, again. I wasn't at the Hall of Fame inductees, obviously. We're not. I'm not you that prestige. I'm not that prestige. But I no. was. At, I was at the Leaf game on Friday night against the Flyers. Very good. When they had everybody come out onto the uh, the blue carpet there, and emotional, emotional throughout the whole rink when Pat Quinn got announced and his daughter yep. was there. Obviously at the Leaf game on Friday as well, and you could definitely feel the emotion. And it's amazing how the Flyers fans. Fans and the Leaf fans all get together and talk about Pat Quinn. There's no anger there whatsoever. But uh, then when the puck drops, then they become all chirpy and walk away from bets uh, towards the end of the game, like yes. was with me. So I didn't get my money either. From yes, Philly fans that I bet money to, but that's for a different show. Was was that the warm up where uh, every Philly came out wearing wearing eighty eight? Yeah, yeah, that was, was sick. Fun, yeah, man. really, really classy. Uh, the Hall of Fame weekend is always uh, drenched in class. Uh, to end the show this week. Andy Clark had an interesting idea here since we were going to bring up hockey cards with uh, Mr. David Amber. Andy, what have you got here for us? You bring in props all the time, man. You're the prop guy. Yeah, yeah, the prop (laughs) master. Yeah, so I have uh, three packs of this year's Opeachy. Um, so one pack each and, oh, uh, we thought right. we'd see I'll what we come one over to Ryan. That's, yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, I'll let you pick. Which one do you want there? Carrie Price. Someone have the Matthews rookie card in it? Yeah. yeah. Like Matthews or Line A. <laughs> yeah, be man. Sweet, eh? That would be all right. I'll even take a Nylander. That's I, oh, I, Nylander Marner, I would I, take. I, yeah. You know let's, what? I'll definitely take the here. uh definitely take the Matthews. So if that comes up, boys, I'll definitely trade one of you guys well, for that. Well <laughs> we'll have to have a couple discussions, <laughs> eh? All right. I haven't opened a pack of hockey cards in oh ages. Where's the bubble gum? I mean, normally, oh, yeah. you know, remember gum, those eh? days, guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The bubble gum was, you know, the part you cared about the most. Yes. What do we got here? Let, let's start around the table here. Andy, who, who have we got in the pack here? All right. Starting off, I have uh, Detroit Red Wing, Danny DeKaiser. Hey, he's a pretty good defenseman. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, Andre Suster. Oh, Schuster. Like, okay, Schuster, so there's yeah. your top defense pair right there. <laughs> right, nice. Uh, Mark Mathot from Ottawa. Okay, so you got three defensemen. Yeah, I can trade you forward defense. here. Tobias Lindbergh, marquee oh, rookie. Lindbergh. So I, yeah, I was a Toronto rookie, but uh, hold on to that. Not the ones we were mentioning, but I'll hang on to that. Hope, hopefully, Tobias works his way in there. That's right. Um, Johnny Tavares, Ooh, love him wow, right there. Okay. Nice Johnny T. <laughs> Tavares, NHL All Star card. Nice, yeah. Jack Eichel. Oh, he's yeah, got a so, Jack Eichel. Yeah, nice. Wow, that would be a great little is, lineup there. Yeah. 
Uh, Victor Hedman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your defense core is just unreal. Yeah, I'm very right good. There. A <laughs> right. carry price. Carry price. There's the man. Sweet. The Number best player in the tender. league for my money. Yeah. Scott, <laughs> let's jump over to you. We got a couple minutes. Who do I've we got? Got uh, Nicholas Patan. Nick from, Patan um, scored last night against the Blackhawks. From Winnipeg. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. So I'm sure Andy Canadian will want Olympian. me to treat him because Andy wants him on his playoff roster. We know he loves him. Uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot. I like him. Uh, yeah. Connor McDavid. Oh my! So that, uh, that wow. one's that one's Ooh, sweet. Yeah. That one's okay. on the non-trading. Is that a block? rookie card? Is that yeah. a rookie card? <laughs> no, it'd be yeah, it is. Second year. It is a rookie yep. card. It yeah, because yeah. it would be last year's set. That's yeah. a McDavid rookie card, folks. Yeah. There we go. Tip the, your hat. The, the bidding goes to it, that uh, it's email all, there. It's all confusing so. now, though, because usually they have the rookie year, the rookie cards three years before they actually get in the league. That's but, true. Yeah, so who else? Maybe I got, got uh, Thomas Fleischman from the Blackhawks. Okay, yeah. Paul Stastny. Nice. Uh, Ryan Spooner and uh, Jared Spurgeon. Spurgeon nice. Spooner, yeah. Two very good players on their respective teams. Uh, got a couple minutes left here. Uh, I've got Paul the Goose Gostad. All right. Paul Gostad. Brandon Sod, an all star card. One of my favorites. I like Brandon Sod a lot. And Nick Felino couple of uh, Blue Jackets players. Speaking of which, I'm going to be interviewing my cousin finally, Brad nice. Shaw, assistant of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he might be able to work one of the players on the roster onto our show at some point this year. So that's very exciting. Oh, Betty, Wayne Simmons. There you go oh, right oh, there, yeah. Betty. Nice. Unbelievable. Mr. Everything right there. We got a holographic Thomas Grice. Sweet. The holographics always fetched uh, good trades at the <laughs> lunch table in school. <laughs> Uh, we got the team checklist, Buffalo Sabres. The team checklist, got to keep that in. Justin Schultz, he's a Stanley Cup winner now. And uh, we have David DeHarnay from the Montreal Canadiens. Pretty uh, pretty good pack opening there. I like, I like Brandon it. Saad. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Connor McDavid, rookie card. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and you, you're loose? dropping Tavares and Headman. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's no, that's good. Yeah, good lineup. I got I, the carry price in there. Yeah. You want to yeah, go trade? Ros- your yeah. roster's ridiculous. I do need buddy. a goaltender. You do need a goaltender. <laughs> holographic yeah. Grice, man. I'd go carry price for uh, Connor McDavid. Oh, I'll have to think about that one. That's All a right. tempting trade. Yeah. Talk too. to my I mean, agent you know, on that one. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we'll wrap up the show here. Next week, we will be talking with Guelph Storm Captain Garrett McFadden, who has a great new mental health initiative in the memory of Wes Cameron who people in this area know very well uh Wes for youth uh, and all that it's called McFadden's movement very excited to talk to him about that uh, mental health is something very near and dear to my heart and my family uh and then in the second half of the show we're going to be talking with Sudbury Wolves captain Kyle Capobianco he's one of the best interviews in the OHL it's gonna be very exciting thanks again for listening to Hockey Talk here on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio and on East Thing TV thanks for watching I'm Ryan Drury that is Scott Bridge and that's Andy Clark Thanks to David Amber and the OHL insider Bill Granger. We'll see you next week.